everybody, welcome back to At the Devil's Ball. Uh, I am Nathaniel. And I am Samael. And we're rolling on again with our uh, anniversary month. We are uh, we're, we're turning one year old. Return to Elm Street. Yeah, uh, return to Elm Street. We are doing, uh, this week we're doing Freddy versus Jason. The uh, very, very complicated, uh, long, gestating uh crossover film between the nightmare on elm street and friday the 13th films and we've brought on our our jason expert uh he came on our show a couple months ago to do um friday the 13th part four uh he's a uh producer writer uh occasional comedian uh chris gersbeck hi thanks for having me back guys yep the producer thanks for coming of the Mads with Frank Conniff and Trace Beaulieu, the um, riffing show on YouTube. And you've got another special project coming up with Mary Jo Peel of Mr. Yeah. Sandler. Yeah, the Mary Jo Peel show. We're going to be doing it um, starting August 24th on Twitch. August 24th on Twitch. Mark yeah. your calendars. It's, uh, uh, I'm sure that's going to be a blast. Uh, yeah. Now, I, I have an old bad question. Uh, do Twitch shows, can I watch them after the fact? Or does it have to be live? We're still sorting out the details of that. Uh, but yeah, with Twitch, there's, you know, it's going to be a free show. Um, so anyone can tune into it. Nice. Uh, and I think with Twitch, you can have like people subscribe to your channel to be able to access past broadcasts. So we'll probably do something like that. Or we'll, you know, record it and put up put it up for sale on her website or something. But yeah, there'll, okay. there'll be a way to watch it after. If you can't watch live, we know Tuesdays at 8 p.m. is not always the best yeah. time for people. So. Yeah. Like I mentioned the pre-show, I work I work nights on weekdays, so it's like yeah. you know, sometimes it's hard yeah. to. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Well, there'll be a way to watch it after the fact. Yeah, that's yeah, good. we'll definitely there'll definitely be seen after, and it's like going to be completely different from the Mads show. Mm-hmm. It's um, you know, it's just she's just amazing, and she's got so right. many awesome ideas and things, and we're just going to try to make them happen for people. <laughs> so, nice. yeah. Really I fun. also I also saw the last email from from uh, Dub Industries. Um, that uh, you guys do uh, Kevin Allison's Risk. Yeah, I, um, I did not know that. I don't produce it. I I handle their publicity and I do some mm-hmm. story editing for them. Um, but yeah, like two years ago, um, I started, they were, you know, at the time touring before everything mm-hmm. got shut down. Uh, right. They were just like touring all over the world doing live risk, risk shows like five, six a month. And, right. uh, and I was their publicist for them. And then when the pandemic happened, it was like, we all kind of panicked to get into like, figure out how we could do it as a live stream. And that was actually like kind of the genesis of realizing that we could do it for the Mads Um, was like when seeing risk do a live stream, uh, like really shortly after the shutdown, like the end of March, I think. Yeah. Cause that show feels like it was built for a live audience, just the way that, you know, it's very much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But uh, but yeah, I still, I still work with them. Not as much as I, you know, in a more limited capacity, right. I do a lot of their editing, um, for their stories now. Um, but they just don't have as many live shows as they used to. It's just right. once a month. So, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, produce that show. I just, oh, I just okay. kind of work behind the scenes. Um, I'm just yeah, a I mean, big fan of his from, you know, back in the state. Days. Oh yeah. So it's like, you know, I was, I was like, Oh wow. That's yeah. No, he's cool. He's Kevin's awesome and because of that last summer um the state did a zoom reunion and i got to work with them nice uh, promoting that so i was like watch that that was fun yeah i was just so surreal to like 
it, that all came together in like four days too. So it was right. like, I was on like a zoom meeting with Michael Patrick Jan on like a mm-hmm. Sunday. And then like they did the reunion on that Wednesday or something, <laughs> but it was just like, so surreal. It's like, Oh, I'm, I'm working. Like I was like on meetings with David Wayne and Michael Ian black. And I'm like, this right. is like comedy heroes. Here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was very, uh, it's very surreal and fun. Well, that's why, I mean, we we're really excited to have you back on again. Uh, you know, you, you, to us, you're kind of a celebrity. So we're, we're kind of like, holy shit, like yeah. this guy wants to do our show. He's talking. This guy to- works with our heroes, you know? Yeah, he works with our heroes and he still wants to talk to us. Um, but yeah, so today is Friday the 13th. We're recording this yeah. on Friday the 13th. We're releasing it on Friday the 13th. Yeah, it's exciting. Yep. Um, so far, uh, Donald Trump has not been reinstated as president. Yeah. Um, so- I, I, I said, thank God, but it was like. It's, everybody knows it wasn't going to happen. It happened. Yeah. Yeah. It was it intentional that that was supposed to happen on a Friday the 13th? Or did they I, just. I don't think that? Mike Lindell is that smart. <laughs> right. That much. He's smart enough to throw the, uh, the, the pillow discount code on his Save America, you know. Oh, my God. You know what's funny? It's like, I would, you know, because I work from home, I watch a lot of daytime TV and mm-hmm. his My Pillow ads. I was like, one of them popped up and I was like jokingly like he's going to like stop this mid ad and go like, the election was stolen. <laughs> right. And like, sure enough, he does have like a new wow. little thing where he's like, my my products are being canceled from stores. So I'm passing those. <laughs> to you. But yeah, I watched clips, clips of that cyber symposium, which, you know, I'm not a cyber guy. So it's and I do. It was a joke. Um, <laughs> uh, but he would have he had the pillow code up on screen the whole time too it's like it's, i thought you were trying to save america which, it's insane uh, which is I it know. it's baffling but anyway yeah, we're talking uh, about Freddy but, yes Jason uh, yes but, but uh, yeah but my point is that we're not that unlucky Friday the yes. 13th hasn't been an unlucky day so far um are you guys uh are you guys superstitious either one of you nah not really no, not really yeah i feel like you gotta outgrow that when you get a little yeah. past a certain age but Nowadays, Friday the 13th seems to be, if you look at Twitter right now, it's all back-to-back Friday the 13th. Like, it's right. all all the movies. It's like everybody's watching their marathon yeah. today. Yeah. So. That's my superstition. I celebrate these high holy days. Yeah. Um. yeah. <laughs> last last night, I watched I watched Freddy vs. Jason, and then I um, kind of, we'll get to mm-hmm. that, because I kind of didn't really watch it, because I'd seen it so many times. Right. I kind of lost interest in about 20 minutes and sort of was, like, zoned out. But after that, I watched, like, four Friday the 13th movies until, like, mm-hmm. dawn. Oh, nice. um and i was just like okay i'm just gonna do that um right. digging into that really beautiful um shout factory scream factory uh uh box set i bought yeah. during the pandemic oh nice um, wait is that the like the latest one i know there's like multiple iterations. yeah this is the big box set where they uh collected all the movies did a bunch of new special features oh cool uh they basically did the same thing that they did with a couple years back with the halloween series where they you know gave you basically the ultimate set of Mm. yeah what they could get their hands on because they're still you know x-rated cuts of some of these films that they can't find you know yada yada but yeah Yeah, no it's uh i don't know if you guys have experienced this but i feel like every friday Mm -hmm. the 13th it's like some are you know some there's just like usually like one or two every year but like it feels like some of them just kind of like slip by and no one really talks about yeah. it much. Yeah. and then i feel like this yeah. year i don't know if it's just because like i'm in more like horror themed facebook groups now but it seems like today like this friday the 13th was like very much celebrated yeah well, like up until we were actually sitting down and planning out this month we had 
not even noticed there was a Friday the 13th this month. Right. Yeah. Uh, we were just planning on doing, you know, the, the Fridays and I'm like, I'm looking at the calendar. I'm like, Hey, there's uh there's Friday 13th this month. Yeah. Yeah. I know a yeah. Freddy movie that it's that correlates with that. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. But yeah, that was the, uh, that was the kind of the impetus was I was like, we were going to do uh, the return to Elm street simply because we did Elm street when we first started our first month was our, was uh, the, was uh, uh, Freddy's dead nightmare five nightmare two. And, of the remake and uh so we just said well for our anniversary month we'll go back to freddy right. movies uh and then we're like oh that's perfect um right. there is one with jason did it and we can have to do it on friday the 13th so uh before we jump into that sam you want to do the vitals on that real quick and then we'll uh, we'll jump into discussing freddy versus jason now that oh yeah uh, freddy versus jason uh was released august 15th of 2003 had about a 30 million dollar budget but i put an asterisk next to that because they spent about six million for pre-production over the years and i don't know if that's involved oh, in yeah. their their budget uh, made 117 million at the box office this is the first um of either series to be in a 2.35 to 1 widescreen ratio all the rest were like 185 to 1 um, but then they went on to do the remakes of both in, in two, three, five to one. That's, you know, kind of the modern, um, standard now, I think, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, it, uh, was directed by Roddy Yu, who, uh, kind of broke big in the U S with Bride of Chucky, um, also did the Bride with White Hair, uh, which a lot yeah. of people know, uh, Damien Shannon and Mark, uh, Swift were writers of this film. Uh, they did the... Also did the Friday Thirteenth remake and the Baywatch movie, no. <laughs> which I still haven't seen. But oh, they did I, the the they wrote the, the Baywatch movie, yeah, and the Friday Thirteenth the reboot one. Yeah, yeah, they oh, wrote wow. that one. Um, right. uh, Fred Murphy was uh, the cinematographer. He also did uh, Stir of Echoes and Secret Window. Uh, as far as cast, I'm not going to give what they were all in because I feel like a lot of these are just you know obvious um yeah got robert england as freddie ken kersinger as jason kelly rowland as kia monica kina as Lori, jason ritter as will uh brendan fletcher as mark uh chris marquette as linderman kyle labine as freeberg aka j uh lachlan monroe played deputy Stubbs. paula shaw played uh pamela Voorhees. Zach Ward played Bobby and uh, Catherine Isabel played Gib. I was like, I like how you mentioned Bride of Chucky because I'm always like confused. I was like, was John Ritter in Bride of Chucky or Freddy versus Jason? But it's like Jason Ritter, his son <laughs> right. is in Freddy versus Jason. I, I guess according to like, you know, the uh, Crystal Lake Memories documentary, like um, they originally had a uh, is it Brad Renfro? Brad Renfro. Oh. And um, he was obviously dealing with his addiction problems at the time. And, right. You know, just couldn't do it. Um, he showed up, but he just wasn't in the shape to do it. So they they fired him. And I guess Ronnie, was like, I, you know, I know this guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Jason Ritter was was cast instead. Yeah. Right. That's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, he did. A, he did. I think they said that they just brought him in for a, a audition with um, Monica Kina and like their uh, chemistry. Right. So yeah. he was, uh, so he was hired, but yeah, this is, uh, uh, as Sam alluded to, there was a whole bunch of pre-production, um, with Freddie versus Jason. There's a great book, uh, titled slash of the Titans, the road to Freddie versus Jason by Dustin McNeil. It details pretty much every draft. There were, uh, what were there? 11 drafts. 
there were, I think, 10 drafts of wow. like 15, 17 writers. Yeah. This was definitely one of those movies that, you know, like before really like the internet was like widely accessible. It's one of those yeah. things that you just always heard about. Like, oh yeah, yeah they're making a Freddy versus Jason movie and it just yeah. like never came out. Yeah. yeah and even, um, you know, like going back to even uh, Friday 13th Part 7, that was a placeholder. That was the first time they did a placeholder. Yeah. Uh, um, they're like, oh, yeah. we can't do Freddy versus Jason right now. So we'll do Freddy versus Carrie. <laughs> and yeah jason versus gary yeah they, they yeah, all, sorry jason versus gary yeah the 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 backstory more or less boils down to uh, uh quickly summarize this was that um basically after nightmare three came out and, and friday 13th part six came out there was immediately as robert england joked on the crystal lake on the um never sleep again documentary he was like you know the first time freddie versus jason was come up was when some 13 year old boy came up to him at a convention and said you know do you think you can kick jason's ass and um that germinated in everybody's minds to the point where i can't remember who asked first but new line went to paramount and said uh we'll give you money for jason if you let us make this movie and they said no because we don't get any profit so they said but we'll give you money and we'll use freddie and we'll make the movie and they were like no we won't make any money so it never really materialized. It just sort of bounced out. Then Sean Cunningham, who owned the rights to Jason, but not the name Friday the 13th, left Paramount, uh, took his cash cow with him, and New Line picked him up. And he was sort of hired as the steward of Jason, so to speak, uh, to keep uh, control of that property. And um, so is that like he controlled, he had the rights to the character, but not the actual name Friday the 13th? That's right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Paramount and, somehow retained the, the name. So if they wanted to, they could make another Friday the 13th movie that has nothing to do with Jason. Uh, maybe not now because right. there's that lawsuit. It, there's a whole complicated lawsuit. Okay. The right. original screenwriter of Friday the 13th, uh, Victor Miller. Victor Miller uh-huh. sued successfully to get basically sole creative rights to the whole shebang. Right. And um, there's a whole bunch of uh, actually the guy who plays Shelly in Friday the 13th three is a copyright lawyer and he's been on social media uh, like filling us all in, filling everybody in with layman terms on how, how us is fair. I always out. knew Shelly was the best. Now yeah. I have proof. But the uh, but yeah, the general idea was that uh, uh, he was hired by New Line to be the sort of the steward of Jason. And then um, uh, what's his name? He wrote Freddie. Uh, he wrote uh, Freddie's dad. Um, uh, God, I can't think of his name. Oh, I think I know who you're talking Mike about. Mike DeLuca. Mike DeLuca, yeah, who had been promoted at New Line to become the, the VP, a VP over there, was sort of made the Freddy guy. And it was announced they would do Freddy versus Jason. They did Jason Goes to Hell, which of course ended with the cliffhanger of, you know, not the cliffhanger, mm-hmm. but the ending of, you know, Freddy's claw comes out of the ground, grabs Jason's mask. Right. And yeah, it's like an Easter egg if, if somebody just threw the Easter egg directly at your face. <laughs> Right. And they're like, we're totally doing this. Um, And then for... That was like 93 or something, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, what happens is basically there's an agreement that Cunningham and DeLuca have to agree 100% on a script. Mm -hmm. And so writer after writer is brought in. Some very famous names, too. Uh, Mm -hmm. Brandon Braga and Ron Moore of um, Next Generation, Battlestar Galactica. They wrote a draft. David S. Goyer, who's now most famous for ruining the DCEU. He wrote a draft. Having a part in Um, ruining it. Yeah. uh, Yeah. But uh, the writer of Man of Steel, um, you know, and ran Superman. um, That was uh, that was him. But he uh, he wrote a draft. He did that one, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, there's um, 
they went through a whole bunch of scripts that most of them have really terrible ideas. Um, Are those scripts like out there? Like, can you just find them? You can find them online. Yeah. Um, you can also like the, the book slash the Titans actually goes in depth about the production of oh, each okay. of them, the stories. Yeah. You really, said I, was I, don't, a... I don't think you want to actually read the scripts because they're probably just <laughs> awful to slog through, but they're out there. You, you referred to me as a, a Jason expert earlier. I should clarify <laughs> that I'm an enthusiast. Like I, I <laughs> wish I knew, like I love, don't get me wrong. I absolutely love Jason, but like, I don't know a lot of the more behind the scenes type I stuff. Got, I got sent to the principal's office once in elementary school because in art class, I was drawing every weapon that Jason had used to kill people <laughs> in parts one through five. Yeah. And the teacher's like, um, what <laughs> are you doing? <laughs> but yeah, the, um, but yeah, so basically over the, over the years, they kept going back around and around. What happens is new line changes, basically changes management. Uh, they make Lord of the Rings and they basically don't care anymore about um, they kind of came to the point about Freddy where Paramount always was about Jason where they're like yeah he makes us money but we kind of don't want to be associated with that (laughs) right right and so they basically were uh, so what happens is Shannon and Swift the the writers kind of come up with the idea of like well part of the problem with why these scripts don't work is because they're too complicated you keep uh, you, you keep kind of screwing around with the formula if you just break this down to a very simple Freddie, Freddie, and Jason yeah. are have a, are opposed in some manner, and they fight each other. That's because yeah, a lot of the scripts involved like these Freddie cults and yeah. Jason being a real serial killer on trial, and you know, just are you weird. serious? Yeah, just like they just totally changed both characters. It's like uh, there was one where like the main character, like that you follow throughout ninety eight percent of it, is like a necromancer. Yeah, and you know, like even the guy you know the guy who ended up writing you know the final script one of those was like i wanted to see a freddy versus jason movie not a damien nostromo movie or whatever the <laughs> guy's name was i just love the idea that like jason's on trial in a movie right because they're also trying to do the scream post you know post yeah. uh yeah but in a movie called freddy versus jason it just sounds like freddy is like taking jason to trial it right. doesn't sound like a death match yeah <laughs> i think that happened in one of them yeah freddy was in the, the courtroom in a courtroom yeah my um, goodness yeah, they did a like, lot of uh, they did a lot of like you know freddie accidentally created jason uh, back in the day freddie was yeah freddie had, dad. Fre- freddie, uh, had, freddie had had sex with jason's mom right uh, uh yeah a bunch of really crazy stuff but uh basically uh, they uh finally get them to to kind of accept a script and then uh new line sort of orders them to kind of really trim it down they basically sent uh, the story is still that they sent a focus group to a mall at like sunday at like two in the afternoon to ask people what they would want a freddy versus jason movie right. um and by then scream had been coming gone and become a huge thing so they said okay we want it to be funny and so they kind of had to rewrite it um and then the rumor has it that the script was actually somewhat written again because there is actually now a kind of infamous homophobic slur in this movie that nobody is taking credit for uh nobody really knows who wrote it i think that i had that in my note just unfortunate homophobia yeah (laughs) yeah the writers in every interview i've ever watched with them have been like we did not write that i don't know where that came from wow you know ronnie you doesn't know where it came from uh there is one rumor that was uh, oh he left it in now (laughs) right yeah he he uh, he claims he claims that was the editor's call but he also kind of claimed the cultural ignorance as well he didn't know it was as bad of a word you know i mean in 03 i can kind of give that a pass right but, um nowadays it's real cringeworthy but you know um, someone even then it was like kind of for an apologize yeah, yeah yeah totally yeah 
And I forgot. The, I completely forgot about that. I watched it this morning, yeah. and I was like definitely thrown off by it. it was, yeah. Right? But I was. I mean, I remember the first time hearing it, and just being like, eh, "It's a little." Yeah. Yeah. Because the version of the screen, the 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 script that the scene that they had written into the script was, she tries the what Nancy says in the first movie. I take back all my power. She's facing Jason and says. I take back all my power from you. You don't, you, you can't scare me. And then Freddie shows up behind her and says, that's the wrong one. Yeah. And, Jason, and Jason kills her. Um, and instead it was written. I out. really think somebody just wrote, wrote it day of as like, you know, trying to give uh, Kia more of an urban patois, you know, she's, think, she's yeah. dog in his life. Um, I'm not going to blame anybody specifically for it because I don't know, but it, it really seemed, no, I'm not specific. I have a theory. I have okay. a theory. What's your theory? Uh, well, I supposedly I had read somewhere that David Goyer was actually brought back to do another pass mm-hmm. uh, at dialogue. And I think. And that was I his. Agree. That right. was his. Um, oh. But I don't know that for sure. Right. I'm, no not, I'm not making that. I'm not. I'm, that's a claim I'm pulling out of my ass. But that's my right. theory is that. He that was, character in general is also just like. Yeah. It seems like it was kind of written just totally out of misogyny. Like, let's make this yeah. character extremely unlikable. Right. So that, you know, when they kill her off, you're kind of like cheering. I don't know. It's, it's well, I weird. mean, a lot of the cast is extremely unlikable. You yeah. Got, uh, Linderman, who's, you know, we didn't know <laughs> what the word incel was in 2003. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, um, you know, you got obviously the, the, the deadbeat at the beginning is supposed to be unlikable. The, yeah. the boyfriend. Uh-huh. I mean, I th- well, I mean, I think we all thought guy. he was going to be the hero of the movie. I think, right. you know, you know. Really? <laughs> they kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, you're serious I'm not, like like i because i can't remember any line where he wasn't a dick you know? exactly. yeah he just i think hey, what i tell you scene... about kissing me after smoking <laughs> yeah <laughs> don't make me ask you twice babe <laughs> yeah he's a, yeah he's a terrible human being and then blake is just as bad right um but yeah they're they're um yeah i mean you're right that they're you know even some of the more sympathetic characters such as you know kiff is somewhat sympathetic mm-hmm. at least by comparison but we still see she's kind of like a drunken mess yeah yeah um also this movie is very rapey she's a drunken mess and she uh she yeah. brings bad people to parties that she didn't get the okay to bring people yeah. to the party yeah it's super rapey um yeah. they yeah. they definitely they definitely threw in on the let's make a freddy krueger dark again yeah um, that's thing. a crucial thing i wanted to talk I mean, about yeah yeah and it is that is an issue you're going to run into when like right. you know you're trying to make kind of like a comedy a comedic horror movie yeah where I guess is Freddy a child the, rapist is yeah he's is a, the child protagonist. Rapist, a child molester yeah well, so he's like the, it, he's not it, the protagonist Jason's the protagonist but you know yeah but it's you're, like you're supposed to be rooting for him as well because where Freddy yeah. versus Jason but at the same time it's like it is shocking that like and there's like a dream sequence where Freddy's just like straight up raping a woman yeah you right. know and it's kind of treated like comedy but it's like that's it's just like it's like going too far, but it's like, well, what yeah. do you expect? He's supposed to be a fucking child rapist. And the, the original ending, like he basically does it again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Her and Will were finally getting it on and it, he Will turns into Freddy and it's like, oh, so yeah, yeah. we're back to the R word again, I guess. Yeah. yeah <laughs> but yeah, yeah, the the this is a, a problem because we when Sam and I have discussed this before about um, you know, the remake of, of Freddy of Nightmare on Elm Street is, is usually a pretty unpopular. But I've always been running, but with the uh, the thesis statement of the reason why that movie is so unpopular is because it gave fans what they wanted, right? And turns out they didn't really want it because and also as, what they didn't want because right 
Robert Englund wasn't in it. So right. But yeah. as Sam alluded to, you know, the idea of like we need to make Freddie dark again has been uh, uh, something that Freddie fans have been saying forever. You know, yeah. that Freddie needs to go back to being dark. Now, if you go back and watch the original film, um, the the sexual predation is is present. Is, yeah. But it's understated. It's not subtext, not mm-hmm. necessarily. It's there. We know that Freddie wants to do more than just kill Nancy. We're aware of that. Um, but however, it's it's understated. It's it's used as a, a, a as a, a threat of something worse because ultimately that's what Freddie comes down to. Is it's not uh, he he can kill you right away, but that's not his point. Right. Uh, you know he's he's enjoying this more than just I like killing people, um, and it's always been present in his character, but it's never been outright used until now where they're like this is yeah. no, this is now just text i always uh, and, had a thing for bitches who live in this house yeah you know like, oh. and it becomes but that's what i mean is that the 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 thing has always been that freddie fans have always said he needs to go back to being dark again apparently what they meant by dark was sexual predator right because that is dark um what what made freddie dark was not the sexual predation it was sort of that uh you can't get away Under, underlying psychosis <laughs> of he's yeah. going to do more than kill you he's right. going he's going to ruin your innocence he's and also there's like no escaping it it's just right. you right. can't yeah he hits you in your sleep. bed your safest place in, in the universe unless right. you're you know in your head in twin peaks or something you know yeah. <laughs> he's he's in your head and he's he's in your soul you know he's gonna do more than just kill you he's gonna really ruin you um now, this movie, you know, kind of says, well, we're just going to make that outright text. And it's mm-hmm. actually celebrated as such in some ways as the as a return to like the real Freddy, mm-hmm. which I thought was uh, hilariously funny, because as I've said before on the show, I, I tend to go through like TV tropes and stuff before I do this. I don't know if you're familiar with that, Chris, but um, but I uh, I read through some wikis and stuff and, and see how people respond to it. And it was like, you know, talking about how this movie is Freddy going back to being the Freddy we know and love. And I'm like. This is the most cartoonish Freddy mm-hmm. outside of Freddy's uh, Freddy's uh, Freddy's dead. Yeah. But it's also his most like vibe. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it's, I so think it's they did like, a good job of balancing the two of this. I don't I, I, I would He is very funny in this one. Yeah. Like I you know, despite him yeah. being revolting and <laughs> right. like the part where he gets his arms uh, you know cut off by Jason in that first yeah. fight. Yeah, and, you know, just just bloop. Was uh, that heavy dying in the theater? That and laughter. The, uh, God, your yeah. nose. That yeah. part is like just so hilarious. Like, totally. You know, totally. The pinball yeah. thing. He's like, oh, tilt. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, Freddie. <laughs> Freddie would play pinball in that video games. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's it's so that's the thing is it's kind of I thought it was kind of funny to me that people were like, you know, this is Freddie being back to being dark, and I'm like, he's his most cartoonish in this movie. Like, oh, absolutely. So yeah, but and it's like we, it's done in like a a. I don't know. It's like a super fun way. Like I remember watching yeah. this in the theater when it first came out and like Robert England just does not hold back in this one. No. Like he, and he never, you know, it's not like he's ever, I don't think he's ever like phoned it in, but like you could tell he's really yeah. having fun mm-hmm. playing Freddie in this one. And it's like, it's great. Like just him talking to the camera and mm-hmm. yep. it's uh he's a bug's buddy. Uh, so. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. good. He's, he's continuing going full bug's bunny from, uh, from freddy's dead mm. um but yeah he's um but yeah i remember seeing this movie in theaters too and uh i think the uh, some of the other people in the theater really didn't like my friends and i because we were just howling with laughter from yeah the, yeah no, same because we were like this is 
it was just pure unadulterated fan service for 90 minutes. Absolutely. It is. This is Freddie being Freddie at his most Freddie and Jason at his most Jason Uh, and over the top. I mean, like you literally have him set on fire and walking through a field, (laughs) screwing teenagers left and right. I mean, he comes on screen where you hear his footsteps first, like he's Godzilla. Yeah. And then you see him coming out of the fog and he's walking like Frank's side. Like it tells you right away what you're doing with this movie. It does also, you know, you look at the two franchises and like side by side, they're very, very like stylistically different. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Friday the 13th is not completely grounded in reality, but it does seem less supernatural. Yeah. And I thought this movie does a really good job of, you know, paying homage to like both franchises right. in their own respective way but like it feels very cohesive and right. yeah like the the freddy feels like freddy and the jason feels like jason and uh it's like you know obviously this went through so many different iterations that it could have gone really badly so it's kind of a miracle that this is as fun as it is that's you know? exactly right that's yeah. that's sort of the main point of that entire book of slash of the titans is it's like if you don't like Freddy versus Jason, this is what could have happened. <laughs> right, um, right. You know, the, the fact that we got a, a watchable movie is something. Yeah, really... absolutely. Um, and the plot yeah. is actually like, you know, it's ridiculous, it's but it's, it's imaginative. It, right. it does. It takes the best elements of both franchises and kind of like, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. It's just like very respectful to the characters uh, as weird as that sounds to say, but like, it's no, no. just, it yeah. it bo- like I think you were saying at the beginning, like, it boils down to like the basics. Like Freddy can get you in his dreams, Jason gets you in the real world, and Freddy wants to you know kill people again. I don't know. It's just like it's like very simplistic, but also just it makes it it makes what could have been like a ten minute movie of like Freddy versus Jason just like punching each other into like a like a fun like I don't think they actually even go into battle to like an hour into the movie. No, you know, like. No. No, they don't. Yeah. Um, but it's all the whole build up to that is like really fun. And, yeah, it's got uh, a great it's got a great sense of building up to it. It, it doesn't you know, a lot of these movies have like big patches where like it's just dull and nothing's happening. Yeah. And but this always is moving forward, you know, yeah. you know, even from the first scene, like. Let's talk, I wanted to talk about the first scene a little bit because they give you know the Freddy's narration, yeah, and then they switch to Jason having a dream of killing people. I'm like, you just told the entire franchises of bo- both of these in like five freaking minutes, yes, perfectly, absolutely. yeah. And it's so also, I, just, I feel like the first time we really see Jason's motivation from his point of view, yeah. I don't know if they've ever done like that kind of fantasy sequence no. where you see him killing teenagers and it's like i'm sorry i should have been watching the kids or doing my job jason x kind of nods to that with the holodeck scene where he's yeah. killing camp counselors yeah. at a camp but it doesn't yeah. show the closest you ever get into jason's psyche before this is how he keeps getting tricked by people who look vaguely like his mother or himself right mm-hmm. um, right right but yeah it's absolutely right uh, that yeah you have um you do have uh, jason's point of view here uh, in a way that we never have before and mm-hmm. and really summing up what we've always assumed to be his motivation um right. you know that he's looking to get revenge on on people that allowed him to die in the first place due to you know being uh teenagers being teenagers mm-hmm. think about that last night watching the movie and about the whole concept of um, camp counselors and babysitters and being like there's there's something inherently 
absurd about all that. Like I remember going on a brief vacation back to Maine from here in Missouri. And um, we left our cat here, obviously. And my, my girlfriend's ex-husband came over to like to, to feed the cat. And I kept being like, is the cat okay? <laughs> right. you know, is the cat okay? And I'm like, I can't imagine the idea of like having a child and like being like, yeah, that teenager from next door, they can handle that. Right. You know? <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's kind of, it's, so it's interesting to me that the ultimately that, that um, as I said in the pre-show, like because it is Friday the 13th last night, I watched a whole bunch of Friday the 13th movies. Uh, but just the general, the idea of like Jason drowning, seems like it's something that should happen all the time with uh, in a world where we trust teenagers to watch other children and, uh, and not screw around. Um, but, but yes, I think that uh, just a little side thing. Sorry. I, uh, I don't know. Yeah. And there's also, I feel like, and I could be wrong about this, but I, you know, during his dream sequence where you see Jason as a kid and drowning and everything, it does seem like that was like the most we've ever seen of Jason at that, age you know there's like they allude to that a lot and there's like quick flashbacks in the first few movies but um i i feel like they could have made like a whole prequel you know jason as a kid movie (laughs) (laughs) which uh i'm surprised they didn't do that when they did a reboot like you know because they had to kind of market it as like a jason movie with jason in it but it would have been kind of cool if like they threw a wrench at you and like you find out it actually was the mom killing in like maybe like the first hour of the movie but then right. with jason we all know and love yeah comes back yeah or something. i don't know um maybe that well, would if disney if disney owned new line we would have gotten like a Voorhees <laughs> origin story for you know? yeah yeah We're like where did he get his boots i wonder <laughs> <laughs> but yeah the uh yeah yeah solo mm-hmm. uh you know yeah the teenage jason years um but yeah the it's interesting too that they with they go they go back uh to show jason's it also adds in the idea of the bullying mm-hmm. which was never a part of his backstory originally uh because originally like pamela Voorhees shows up in the first movie and says it was implied but not in you know not yeah, yeah yeah right but it wasn't part of his drowning right like it was always the idea that she kind of says like he wasn't a strong swimmer Right. The people, the lifeguards who were supposed to be keeping an eye on swimming children were too busy right. having sex to notice that somebody was drowning. Right. And so Jason drowned. Um, <clears throat> this one says kids pushed him into the water. Right. Um, and uh, which adds to the idea of because yeah. it's something that's that, that has been was in pretty much every draft, almost every draft, yeah. I think. Jason ends up being kind of the good guy, the right. lesser of two evils in mm-hmm. every single iteration of this story. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that's probably necessary because it's, again, he's in the, in, but if you, there's no sympathy to that character and through the rest of the series. No. But uh, in this movie, there is. And so mm-hmm. they had to put that in there, I think, to make him the lesser of two evils, you know, as opposed to Freddy, who's just purely vile. Right. right. Which is why I think also the sexual predation stuff is put back in is to make him worse by comparison. Right, right. right. Well, it's like whenever, you know, Dracula brings back Frankenstein to fight, you know, the Wolfman. Like, yeah. who's the worst character? You know, the, <laughs> the the Frankenstein or the guy that's trying to control the Frankenstein, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. And Frankenstein, the Frankenstein's monster has always been sympathetic in right. most, most iterations as well. Which yeah. is also why they cast Ken Kin, uh, Kinzinger instead of Kane Hodder was because they wanted the Frankenstein aspect. They wanted a guy right. who towered over. Was that like a controversial move when they? Very, very. It's still controversial. <laughs> <laughs> I. It's controversial even in my own head. 
Yeah, I mean, I remember uh, being surprised. I don't think I re- I knew it at the time, but being surprised yeah. that like the Jason and Freddy versus Jason is not Kane Hodder. Yeah, it just I guess seemed the, like he would have been the one. But. According to Kane Hodder, I guess like New Line kind of ghosted him. At oh, point. Wow. Like he even gotten the copy of the script and everything. He was waiting to get the call. Like when we, when did we start? And they just like never contacted him again. Wow. Like, because somebody and nobody takes credit for who made that decision. Somebody decided they were going to go a different way with it. Yeah. And while I love this movie and I love Ken Kersinger's Jason, there's always going to be a part of my head who's like, but what if Kane Hodder? (laughs) (laughs) Supposedly what I had read, it had more to do with the fact that Kane Hodder is not that tall and that more or less it came down to, they wanted a visual of, of a absolutely gigantic. Also that he was bulky. He's, he's, he's a couple inches shorter than Ken and he's bulkier and they wanted, you know, kind of a tall, uh, scarecrow looking guy, you know, basically like a more life, not not thin, not like you know, getting Doug Jones to play him, but uh, yeah, yeah, somebody who's built and just can tower even more over Jason. And then he's got you know, two inch platform heels on top of that, I think, in this film, yeah, but yeah, they wanted they wanted the Frankenstein, uh, Frankenstein image of to, to fight Freddy, who was going to be more small and life and fast. And uh, so Kane Hodder was ultimately. Cho- not chosen for the role um but yeah we played out jason in the reboot that, that was someone else derek mears derek mears yeah. yeah and he does a really great job yeah um but that was i think it was just um youth yeah. like they wanted a they wanted just a new guy it was a whole new start right yeah it makes sense. um because also kate hodder is very specific about how he plays jason he will yeah. fight with the director yeah over how jason <laughs> what jason would actually do yeah and while I think that's you know admirable that he cares for this character more than anyone has ever cared for this character inside the studio at any point, yeah, it can be difficult when you're trying to do something different, you know. I yeah, yeah, and they wanted yeah. Kane Hodder also always played the undead Jason, mm. and the the Derek Mears Jason is not undead; he's a right. living man again. Right. Um, but yeah, that's uh, but yeah, I guess that question is always going to hang over Freddy versus Jason. Is would Kane Hodder have done better, or would right. the movie have had more authenticity if Kane Hodder had participated? Um, we'll never know, of course. You right. can't look into the alternate reality lens, and um, and it's already pretty damn about that dick, anyways. It's it works, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and Ken Kinziger is good. Right. I, I mean, I think he does a good job with the with the role. He he gives a lot of physicality to the role. He gives brings a lot of sympathy to the role. Um, yeah, at least they didn't recast. Uh, Freddie, because that would have just yeah, been yeah. completely. Right. I mean, I I was, uh, you know, and I haven't seen the Nightmare on Elm Street reboot since it first came out. Yeah. Um, and I remember just like not liking it. I have had a lot of people tell me it's not as bad as you remember. Um, it's it's better if you don't think of it in context. In the yeah. It, it turns out to be mostly okay at that point. That was it's like not, the first. Not good, but right. Know. I remember that just being like the first kind of reboot where I was like, I'd be okay if they did this with Robert England, like even if it's like set in a new continuity. Like I, you know, I right. generally think like if you're gonna reboot something, like start fresh, get new actors in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh that seems to be happening. And I, I think it's a good thing that mm-hmm. they can like the Suicide Squad, like they can make like a soft sequel without right. complete like just take the elements at work and and run with it. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, I like that that happens more often now, but uh, like, we're, we're... I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, I think, I think that the Nightmare on Elm Street reboot would have been so much better had Robert England been in it. 
and yeah. just like played it as sort of like a new, just like a new iteration of Freddy. But and then they could have made him like, you know, the scary but not funny Freddy or something. And and he kind of did that with um with a new nightmare. Yeah. But uh, you know, it's uh, I gotta I gotta rewatch the Nightmare on Elm Street reboot just to. Don't put it at the top of your list, but you know, put it on the list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was more or less our thesis statement when we we did the show. Um, when we we did the remake, was that this isn't it, it's it's not as bad as its reputation suggests it is, but you have to be you have to be willing to divorce it from everything you've ever seen mm-hmm. before. Uh-huh. Yeah. And um, also, it does, as I kind of mentioned, I mean, it it it, it commits the kind of carnal sin of you know it goes too far. Mm-hmm. And uh, in, in its attempt to be dark again, it, you know, and again, dark here equaling sexual predation, uh, you know, it becomes um, too much and yeah. it becomes it becomes really uncomfortable. And while these movies are supposed to be a little uncomfortable, they're horror films. Right. It's one thing to be like the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise more or less works as Freddy versus Jason does as a this is supposed to be fun. Yeah. Uh, we're supposed to be having a good time, even though like going we're, on a haunted hayride. You know, it's yeah. not. You're, we're supposed to be watching this. You know, we're watching. A, you know, a guy brutally murder teenagers, but we're uh, but we're supposed to be kind of having a good time with it. And you know, as I've said many times, you know, the uh, Rooney Mara looking at her Polaroids <laughs> of her eight year old naked right. body and weeping uh, is not a good time. Yeah, um, that's more like the kind of haunted houses where you have to sign a waiver before you go in. Right. It's not. Yeah, that's not a lot of fun. Um, so uh, and so, Freddy versus Jason. Uh, I think you know it, it skirts that line, but uh-huh. I mean, this movie is is versus that film is much more fun. And I yeah, think I, I mean, go- it's Freddy versus Jason. Also, has it just like a self awareness about it? It's like, yeah, we know it's Freddy versus Jason, though. You know, like, and that's why it works so well. It's like it's not taking itself seriously at all. Um, And I love that. And, you know, I I don't know if you guys saw the suicide squad yet. Um, Yes. But that to me was just the best example of like, yeah, you can have a movie be really dark, Mm -hmm. but also like hilarious and like fun. Like it doesn't have to be brooding, you know? And and I think that's probably what turned me off about the nightmare on Elm street reboot was like, Mm -hmm. it was just very brooding and like Mm -hmm. taking itself so seriously which is weird because it that came out like I don't know less than ten years after right. Freddy versus Jason, where Freddy versus Jason was yeah, just this like was, super. I think fun. it was two thousand nine. I think was from the yeah 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 out. something around that yeah. yeah. Um, but this is in the middle of the Platinum Dunes remake right, right. where they had to make everything super serial, everybody, and you know, just dark as yeah. can be, and you such know. a weird. I mean, I do think that that sort of era of horror gave birth to like the much better like slow burn type yeah. movies um but uh yeah that was that's definitely like a rough patch and when michael bay was controlling every horror remake for like four years yeah <laughs> right yeah uh, not only that even like teenage mutant ninja turtles and all kinds of stuff right, right. all kinds of reboot stuff over platinum yeah. dunes so he was uh you know but um but yeah, I mean, this is probably uh, this is sort of the end of the Scream era. I think Freddy yeah. versus Jason. This is the totally yeah. You know, this is like well, now every horror movie is going to be self-referential. It's mm. going to be funny, um, and it is funny. Freddy yeah. versus Jason. I mean, like they they as Sam kind of pointed out. I mean, first of all, they they give you the backstory in like two minutes, 
Then they jump immediately into a man literally being folded in half. <laughs> right. um, you know, right. um, he, and not only that, it's a stabbed, great effect. Too. Oh, God, stabbed, yeah. He stabbed like 14 times and then Jason just pulls the bed in half and snaps. Yeah. Him. It's also, um, I was kind of, I mean, obviously there's like some CGI stuff in this, but I feel like that they did tend to go for more practical looking stuff for this one, which, yeah, you know, mostly it was practical. Yeah. yeah. Like Oh three, that seems like, um, that's not, that wasn't really like, I feel right. like most movies around that time were just like, yeah, everything's just CGI now. So, right. But, yeah. Uh, and they use some, but not a lot. Um, no. yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's so, I mean, we're, we're set that stage with a guy being folded in half. A guy gets his head chopped off by a machete that goes through his father's severed head first. Right. Uh, you know, it's, uh, we have, um, that is such a the father, of, the father, of course, played by the a young Alex Jones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I have great... to make that. I have to make that joke every time I see it. Cause that dude looks just like he Alex does. Jones yeah, and absolutely. I didn't put that together, but you're right. He does. Um, um yeah, that was that was a good. I if like I had that any sort of out. video editing skills, I would put together like a that scene with him yelling about the frogs <laughs> over it. Yeah, <laughs> instead of yelling at his son for being out drinking or whatever, you know. Yeah. And it even it falls in line with uh, the rest of the series and having this incredibly stilted uh, expositionary dialogue for like its first and I mean a lot of it for like the first twenty minutes. So like characters like literally like. You know what, Lori? You don't like anybody since your childhood boyfriend left four years ago. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. I'm uh, sure that'll never come back later. <laughs> yeah. Um, everybody get that at home? Uh, you know, that uh, the, she has a childhood boyfriend. That's going to be relevant. Right. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know. I like Kia that scene because Kia's like, you know, or was it Gib? Yeah, I can't remember. Where she's like, dude, he hasn't called you in like four years. He hasn't written. Obviously, he's moved on. Why can't you? And like, if you think back to like, you know, your first like, you know, crush or, or love when you were like twelve or thirteen, like, why would you be obsessed with that four or five years later? Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the other problem is that the actress playing Laurie looks like she's in her mid thirties or something. Right, she's yeah. supposed to be a high school student. There's <laughs> um, a, there's some there's some issues I have with Monica Kino. I think she does a pretty good job, but um. Right. It's something I was thinking about while watching the, uh, as you mentioned already, Chris, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, we see Jason's dream at the end where Freddie's trying to kill him by drowning him, mm -hmm. confronting him with his childhood. Mm -hmm. And Lori becomes involved with that somehow. Um, right. And uh, and she uh, kind of ends up causing a sort of a, a an empathy thing with Jason because Jason mm -hmm. sees her trying to help him. Right? Yeah. Somebody who he sees somebody who is uh, the, the counselor who never came to his rescue tries to come to his rescue here. Yeah. It is weird where like this one, she falls asleep and finds out where Freddie is instead of, you know, every other time it's always, you fall asleep and Freddie finds you. Yeah. Yeah. He just sort of stumbles into Jason's dream, which is sort of weird. Um, especially since the nightmare of Street franchise is pretty much established. Like one person can do that. And it's because they're magic. Um, but, um, but yeah, the, the, but I always find it to be kind of odd to me. It's sort of it was something I noticed last night, particularly was Monica Kina, unlike say uh, every other heroine from a Freddy versus from a Freddy film mm -hmm. is a bombshell, an absolute bombshell. Right. Um, just, every, everybody else is a girl next door. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, she's like a supermodel of, compared to them. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, to the point where like they literally have a slow-mo so you can make sure you can see her breast bumps, you know, like they <laughs> yeah. literally low cut top with her running with two torches towards the thing and it's like or like the three minute scene time. with freddie where he's you know like undressing her with his claws and you can just see down uh -huh. her shirt the entire time and it yeah. doesn't make me feel at all weird about my life <laughs> right right 
but my point is, is that I'm like, so it's weird that they would have that kind of concept of her kind of uh, having this sort of symbiotic uh, uh, empathy with Jason when Jason is this, is this like kind of freak child who was bullied and you have like the most beautiful woman who ever lived is going to empathize with him. Well, I was like, why didn't you make her a little bit more? I mean, why wasn't Catherine Isabel the lead of this movie where I'm like, she would have, uh, where I would have bought her as, uh, she plays she play? Kia. Okay. No, no uh, Catherine Gib. is Gib. Yeah. Gib. Yeah. She was in Ginger Snaps. Yeah, the girl Catherine with the hat, right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 Catherine yeah. Isabel, okay. who's a scream queen. Uh, yeah. you, know, you kind of, yeah, the movie starts out, you like, you definitely assume that she's going to be the one, the main right. character. Yeah. Yeah. We're Catherine, because yeah, you're like, if you watch, if you're a horror film fan in particular, you're like, oh, right. it's Catherine Isabel. It's it's Ginger from Ginger Snaps. Right. But then mm-hmm. they pull the, uh, the, the psycho thing out of you and they kill yeah. her, you know, yeah, in yeah. The first, at the end yeah. of the first act. But I mean, my point is that. I would have bought that because she's more girl next doorish that maybe she would connect in some way with Jason. Right. Totally. Yeah. Um, as the guy who's kid who's been bullied, you know, the kid who, the kid who suffered. Um, right. So it, which I mean, I would have bought that from Nancy. I would have bought that from mm-hmm. Alice. Uh, you know, even, uh, even some of Jason's heroines, I would have bought it from, I would have bought it from Tina from part seven or Ronnie yeah. from part eight. Mm-hmm. Jenny, uh, Jenny. Yeah. From part two. Who, what the entire point of part two was Ginny kind of being like, I sympathize right. with, yeah. with the, with the idea of this frightened, frightened, uh, uh, developmentally disabled child. Yeah. Uh, you know, she was the first and one of the only times where we tried to get into Jason's psyche, even if it right. was, you know, just one character's opinion. Of yeah. yeah. Maybe this, maybe this, you know, this, maybe Jason is the result of some poor kid who, mm-hmm. you know, never had a chance. Um, so it's a little weird to me, but, and it kind of just, it's, but I mean, I get it because it's Hollywood casting, right. you know? Yeah. Um, but it's always been something that's always been, but I think Monica Kina does do a good job. I think that mm-hmm. she, um, she plays up a lot of, a lot of the terror and, uh, she holds up as a Freddie heroine, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she's good. I did, I just think she looks too old to be in yeah. the role, but you know, that's, that's the, that's the Dawson's Creek movie. thing, you know. It's yeah. just <laughs> right. You cast. Uh, I think she probably was at probably twenty five. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, she. Uh, but yeah, she's a little. She's a little mature to be playing seventeen, but they always are. Mm-hmm. Um, but because uh, they rarely actually cast. I've, I've always wondered about this: why they don't cast teenagers to play teenagers. I think it's probably because you can't really kill people who look like teenagers. <laughs> in a movie well i think a lot of it is um you know there's there's rules for using you know underage people yeah you can only use them like hours. hours you have to yeah. you have to pay for them to get tutoring you know right. all this other stuff i mean you could hire an 18 year old to play a 17 year old right right but i still think it's a, if they look like a teenager it's too much yeah that's always been my theory anyway that it you know you you can't actually kill somebody who looks like a child which to me i mean right. as you guys probably both know as you get older everybody under 25 starts looking 16 right yeah. um so it's like um the only reason why like i think monica Keena kind of avoids that is because she's she's a bombshell she gets all that she has the, the glamorous makeup and stuff but um because actually I, I think i would have agreed with you chris years ago but now as uh, you know at 40 looking at monica Keena, and i'm like yeah she still looks like she's, uh, 17 or 25 it all looks the same to right. me now. yeah yeah um yeah but um but yeah, I mean, I think actually the one that that kind of looks a little bit to me is, is a little bit too older looking was um, uh, Kelly Rowland, mm-hmm. who I was like, this woman, this woman's clearly in her late 20s. Um, 
Uh, and uh, probably maybe because she people knew who she was from Destiny's right. Child, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, now she's more like mm-hmm. Destiny needs to move out of the house already and get a real job because she's not no child anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like, I think actually the only character that truly looks like a teenager to me is Linderman. Yeah. I think, he, um, yeah, he does. I would yeah, say, totally. I would say Freeberg as well. Um, although young, he, maybe, young Jay. Yeah. 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 Young Jay. Yeah. I had that in my, it's like, this is around the time period that every stoner in a movie just had to look like Jay. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this like, one is deliberate, though. This one is yeah. obviously. I did like in, uh, I can't remember if it was the Freddy documentary or the, or the Jason documentary where like they actually got Jason Muse to come out and talk about it. Yeah. He just comes out. He's like, oh, I really? remember when they cast me in this movie. Wait a minute. I wasn't in that fucking movie. What the <laughs> fuck? And he just walks off. Yeah. That guy yeah, does have the best line in the movie, I think, which is when they, they get chased by Jason and like, you know, at that party or whatever. And he just right. goes, dude, that goalie was pissed about something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the joint in his mouth. Yeah. Uh, he also has uh, with a uh, joint in his mouth. Yeah. yeah. He also has one of my favorite exchanges with um, the great, um, great character actor, Laughlin Monroe, um, who plays Stubbs, the deputy. Where the, uh-huh. he's like, well, somebody's messing with your little reality rule. And when Stubbs is, well, how is that possible? He's like, anything is possible now. You just right. don't get it. Um, yeah. It's a great exchange of a guy yeah. of a character who's literally just outright telling the audience from here on out, anything goes. Yeah, anything. Um, Absolutely. And as you said, Chris, you know, this is an idea of, uh, that uh, Stubbs is supposed to kind of come in and say, Jason's still kind of rooted in reality. Right. And then they, they say, nope, not anymore. And then he's killed. They just get yeah. rid of the character. Mm-hmm. Um, his only point in the movie is to come in and say, here's grounded reality. Right. And now I'm going to get written out so that we can have, you know, Freddie playing pinball with Jason's body. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And I mean, so it, it, it's, this is one of the most utilitarian movies I've ever seen. I think like this mm-hmm. yeah. where they spend as has a point. Yeah. As they, as you guys said, both, I mean, they don't really go into battle until about an hour in. Because everything else is just uh, this steady, systemic process of setting up the finale, which is going to be, we're going to go completely batshit insane in the last 40 minutes of this film. Um, and they absolutely do. It's, yeah. um, and I mean, how hard were you guys laughing when they're basically playing love theme music? As Freddie and Jason are stabbing each other, yes, yeah, beautiful. It's like the just... swelling, swelling, right. uh, gone with the wind. Yep. Uh, Scarlett O'Hara music, and they're like locked in embrace, like lovers, and right. just slowly stabbing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's so absurd. Right. Um, and I mean, well, there's it, just like literal sprays of blood. Like it looks, like yeah. it's just an aerosol can you know this uh, also seems like a movie that very easily could have gone the pg-13 route mm-hmm. and it would have sucked completely <laughs> so like, yeah, I, yeah, pre- I always it. appreciate when there's like these kinds of horror movies with like these really iconic characters but like they're clearly right. not trying to make you know a sanitized version of them right. you know? no 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 um has there ever has have any of the jason or nightmare movies been Rated PG thirteen. They've no. all been R, right? All been R. I mean, the closest they came is the uh, the Freddy's Nightmare TV show, where they had to, you know, right. shoot it for TV. But and even we don't talk much about that. They pushed that envelope a lot yeah. too. Uh, in fact, the reason why the show got that show got canceled was because they were going too far weekly. Uh, right. It was being broadcast in the the Heartland 
Yeah, like, like five, five in the afternoon. Five in the evening. Yeah. And was they that were like, like, it was like a syndicated show. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 So weird. Where again, as Robert Englund put it, that Freddy's Nightmares was supposed to be. They were saying they were like they were wanted to make the the a sick version of the Twilight Zone. Right. Um, that was going to be on prime time at like 10 p.m. Uh, where they could be as dark as they wanted to be and nobody would really complain. And then due to syndication laws, it was being played right. at like four in the afternoon in Alabama. Right. And parents were, you know, yelling about the devil and the show ended mm-hmm. up getting kind of killed. But I mean, they, they talked about that on the Never Sleep Again documentary a lot about Freddy's Nightmares and about how they were like, we were shooting like full on nudity for television and, and right. people and the censors were more or less saying cut out a few minutes mm-hmm. you know they didn't really care nobody cared until the until people started seeing any complaining but right. mm-hmm. but yeah that's the closest they've had to sort of the sanitize i mean unless you want comic books or right. or tie-in novels i mean there were young adult nightmare on elm street and friday the 13th novels i think right. that were yeah yeah written for the Arl stein crowd yeah. yeah 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 there was like a fear street uh jason series yeah. that was uh and every everyone was just somebody else got the mask and suddenly turned into jason um, yeah oh is that what they did <laughs> pretty much so, yeah. yeah but yeah they were so i mean there was that um but no they've always been they've always been rated r uh and they mm-hmm. both in both franchises have had a, a real serious history of bumping heads with the mpaa uh, uh-huh. where almost every single film in either franchise has been cut to sh- cut to yeah. ribbons by the end. Yeah, if this one was actually made 10 years earlier, I think it would have been about 45 minutes long just from yeah. the MPAA screwing with it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. At this that, point, that, they started to back off the throttle a little bit with cutting more by, you know, 2003. There were people mm-hmm. saying when this yeah. movie came out, I remember there were people saying online and, and in conversation that it was the goriest movie ever made. And it was clearly not like if right. you knew what you, if you knew your horror movies, you were like, no, it really wasn't. But, yeah. you know, it, but I could. As see far as a wide theatrical the release. One of them. Yeah. yeah. Like coming after a scream and uh, yeah. a lot. I mean, that was like a lot of. You know, I know what you did last summer. Those were all PG thirteen, I think. Right. right. I think Scream, so. Scream was all. Scream was R. PG, uh, okay. Really, the summer may have been PG thirteen. If if it yeah. wasn't, the sequel almost certainly was. Right. Um, yeah. But um, which is fine because it's not you know a, a Friday movie or a, or a Jason. Movie. Right. It's right. Just, right. Or a Friday movie. You know. It's, yeah. Yeah. The the rated R versus PG thirteen conversation is another whole thing. Uh, right. But uh, mm-hmm. because I've actually been of the opinion that you can actually make a really good horror movie at PG thirteen, you just can't have yeah. as much horror and sex in it. Right. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. The only real yeah. difference between a rated R and a PG thirteen is a couple of f bombs and a boob. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, in terms of gore, yeah, I mean, this movie needed to go as far as it could, I think, in yeah. order to make it. Because the gag the gag requires it. Yeah. yeah. You know, this is like, you know, Chris, you're a, you're a comedian. You know, you've done, you've done comedy before that you know that you have to have the punchline. And the punchline here is these two guys have murdered hundreds right. of teenagers throughout the years. They're both these uber-violent nut jobs that right. and the that are reason, un, basically unkillable and the reason why we watch those movies is to watch them do their thing mm-hmm. so the punchline here is they have to go even further than they yeah. ever have before yeah. against each other because they can take it right and yeah outside of both of them getting blown up in their one of their other quote-unquote final films like this is the most damage either of them has, has, has taken in any of the series oh, for sure yeah so yeah. in in the Jason canon, uh, mm-hmm. Jason X takes place after 
Freddy versus Jason, right? Yeah. Or is it not Fred, considered canon? Or? Freddy versus Jason. I mean, what the hell is canon anyways? I don't know what we just said. Right. No, no. <laughs> um, and Freddy versus Jason takes place between, uh, it takes place after Freddy's dead, after Jason goes to hell, before Jason X. Right. That right. seems to be the consensus. Yeah, with some with some people disagreeing. Um, right. We we talked actually when we did Nightmare Three last week. I, I did a little bit of uh, we've in Freddy in Freddy's Dead. We've done a little uh, I've done a little fan wanking mm-hmm. about how this fits in. Um, where I joked that you know the uh, last week, which was the idea that Doctor Neil Gordon from Part Three was the guy who came up with the idea to quarantine at Weston Hills for Freddy versus Jason. Right. Uh, it was just all you know my my dumb fan fiction from last week, but. Um, but yeah, it scams with you know this movie. I mean, but the people, but there are people that believe that this takes place before Freddy's Dead because mm-hmm. Freddy's Dead says at the beginning it takes place ten years from now. Right. But the movie came out in 1993. Mm-hmm. Sam, was it three? Yeah. Uh, Freddy's Dead, and so ten years from now, no, it was 91. So ten years from now would have been 2001, which was two right. years before this movie. So the timing doesn't quite work. Where I was like, you know. Right. No, and the timing in neither series really works because there's been, you know, geeks far greater than I mapping out when they, all these movies take place. And by like, you know, Friday the 13th part four, they're like in like, you know, 1990 or something, yeah. you know, really? it just keeps getting, yeah, it's because because they oh, keep weird. on giving references to like, OK, you know, Friday the 13th takes place in the summer. These these possible years, they say it's X amount of years since this, that and the other. It's like there's a, it's, it's like, like that, that meme that... of the, the woman trying to figure out the math, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like the Fast and the Furious movies are the timeline. Right. It really makes zero sense, but because right. like right. that's a yeah, that's a whole other that's a whole other right. podcast. But that's actually a thing that happened in this with the in the production of this movie was a, a canonical mistake, which was that um, Crystal Lake was a, a ten minute drive from uh, Springwood, Springwood right. in Ohio. Uh, right. Crystal Lake Crystal. is in New Jersey. New Jersey. Yeah, they cut yeah, out they yeah. cut out Pennsylvania entirely in this universe, which is <laughs> yeah. There is no there is no uh, there was no space in between them. Yep. Um, and uh, supposedly the original script that Shannon and Swift wrote addressed it, right. where they go on a road trip for like two days with Jason's body, and it was supposed to lead to some like comedic misunderstandings, but um, they had to Stay cut in it. a hotel. <laughs> yeah. They had to cut it because like... it really doesn't matter. You no. Know? <laughs> But they were like, we, they, they said that they were like bothered by it because they were hardcore canon fans, you know, where they right, were like, well, yeah. these things, these places are far apart. But ultimately it became like Batman versus Superman where they're like, okay, Metropolis and Gotham are separated by a, a lake. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, they're right next to each other for whatever reason, um, because it is just convenient to do so. Right. Um, yeah. Do you guys think that Freddy versus Jason sets the stage for like, you know, versus movies do you think they? i mean i guess they were doing them i do yeah i mean um i think it was kind of like that idea of going back to like frankenstein versus dracula um i mean obviously like that's what they were that's what they were going for but yeah i think it did kind of prove like oh you could take two franchises and do a versus movie it definitely you know but led immediately into them making that alien versus predator movie finally yeah yeah Yeah. Um, and also i mean batman versus superman they were talking about making i think it got pretty far into pre-production actually uh around the same time um yeah because they even did like an easter egg they did an Easter egg in like the guy up legend for Batman versus Superman. Yeah. 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 <laughs> just like a fake billboard. In it. Right. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, no, I think this, I think Freddy versus Jason proved to studios that it can be done and it can be fun and the fans will love it. Um, I, I definitely think that this movie is what influenced a lot of those matchups. Um, oh, definitely, because everybody turned out for this one. I mean, it was the true. most successful yeah. of either franchise um, monetarily, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. By probably a long shot. <laughs> by a lot, yeah. It was yeah, incredibly yeah. successful. Uh, two weeks at the top, uh, top of the box office, mm-hmm. I think. Um, uh, sold out theaters uh, opening weekend. Uh, did extremely well. Um, and uh, and it's we've talked about in kind of all of our Nightmare on Elm Street episodes, we've talked a little bit about um, public perception right. of the films and how they change over time. Freddy vs. Jason's has, uh, in particular, what we talked about last week, Nightmare 3 has always sort of stayed exactly where it was. It's always mm-hmm. been uh, really well liked. Freddy vs. Jason was a movie that was kind of not as dug on, I think, by the fans up until relatively recently. It's another mm-hmm. movie that's gotten a second wind Right. Um, mm-hmm. I think with these collected editions and stuff where people are like revisiting it and being like, hey, this yeah. is actually a lot of fun. Like I, whatever hangups they had, they kind yeah. of excuse and just. Yeah, I it. think a lot of people, I think it was more from the Freddy, uh, the Jason side of fandom than the the Freddy side. But I mean, because I, I do remember a lot of, like I said, a lot of people were really bad about that, you know, not having Kane Hodder. I, I wish they had had it, but I, you know, I'm like, all right, well, it's not like he's the only person to ever play it. I mean, right. Um, by, by but a also, lot. yeah. I remember, you know, a lot of people saying that it was, you know, unevenly balanced uh, towards a Nightmare on Elm Street film instead of a Friday the 13th film, which I get, but that's where all the plot is. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, so, you have to, as like, I, they couldn't have really centered the plot around Jason for this. Right. Like, Freddie's like the one who talks and like, yeah, I mean, right, I mentioned, he's got the cool story too. Yeah. I mentioned, uh, you know, I don't know if it was Facebook or Twitter last night when I was watching it. I'm like, I'm like, you know, the Friday Thirteenth movies are are all. Here's Jason. Best of luck to you. Yeah, and, yeah. And where Nightmare yeah, has, yeah. you know, a, a mythology, a story, and, and right. But I was, know, I mean, how the plot's you, also just the yeah. idea of like an entire town covering up something. Right. That's um, a Friday. You know, it's like a recurring theme throughout all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. But it is also just more. It's way more interesting. It's like right. this kind of conspiracy cover up thing and the parents all know about it which is why alex jones the was there and... pretending to be a parent right <laughs> yeah. <it>. false flag <laughs> false flag um yeah the uh yeah absolutely i mean the movie needed uh needed freddie for the plot i mean you look at it the other way around it's like you can't summon freddie to stop jason right uh, you know the kids aren't going to go looking for freddie krueger to help him out right um yeah but yeah it, this did um I know that it, while it probably did directly create a few other films, there were a lot of talk almost immediately about this, about spinning off this film. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, there was a comic Ash, movie. right? Yep. Yeah. That was a big one. Yeah. First of all, was they were like, cause uh, Jason goes to hell and set that up with the Necronomicon being in it. Right. But they were like, now this uh, evil dead takes place in the same universe as well. Right. Um, that did end up being made as a comic book. You know, if they had made, um, Freddy versus Jason versus Ash. This would mean that Wes Craven was a filmmaker in the universe of Nightmare on Elm Street. That's true. Because of the oh, Hills yeah. Have Eyes poster from Evil Dead. Right, right, right. But Evil Dead, oh, uh, be... Evil Dead was in the background of Nightmare on Elm Street, too, right. the original film. Right. Nancy's, oh, that's right. Nancy's watching. So Evil this Dead. is why it couldn't happen because yep. the universe would collapse on itself. And <laughs> you know, we'd true. be in somehow like, in a uh... worse timeline than we are now. Yeah. 
it's like a last action hero scenario right. where like Sylvester Stallone's the Terminator. So yeah, yeah. But, uh, who would um, be the director of Evil Dead? It'd be like the Cone Brothers or something. Right. <laughs> and they, but, yeah. the screenwriters also had mentioned they had written as a scene as as more or less a joke that would never occur. That one of their original endings of the script was Jason and Freddy still fighting in hell when chains mm. separate them, and right. Pinhead comes out and says, "Gentlemen, what seems to be the trouble?" <laughs> Like, you know, uh, they were like, so I'm you know, so glad they didn't go with the joke ending like that because well, they just, couldn't have done it. They couldn't <laughs> right. have done it because they didn't have they the, didn't rights. Have the rights. Yeah, a pinhead was yeah. owned by Dimension at the time. Well, I mean, they didn't have the rights to, you know, Army of Darkness either. I mean, it's, it's um, yeah, they had a lot yeah. for, for a film that took 15 years to get made. They sure had a lot of, uh, you know, ideas of how they're going to get the next one made right away. Like, didn't they, they set up Alien versus Predator and Predator? two i think or one yeah one it was like an easter egg it was, it was an easter egg yeah yeah, yeah. they yeah. had the skull on the ship uh, right 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 but yeah. that that idea came from because uh dark horse comics was doing alien versus predator at the time uh-huh. because they had they had the rights to both comic books mm. yeah that's Imagine what i've never seen alien versus predator either of them. Don't. yeah <laughs> i know the first I one yeah. the first one is is not the worst movie i've ever seen the second yeah. one might be uh, the worst movie I've ever seen. I saw. I've only saw the first one, and I I, didn't, I don't remember not hating it, but I haven't watched. Isn't it. Isn't like before. like Lance Henriksen's in it though, right? Yeah, yeah he plays the That's first just... uh, incarnation of uh, Bishop. Right, Bishop. Yeah, it's yeah. so weird when a movie's so completely different from its previous movies, but then include a character like that. Yep. Yeah, that was you by uh, Paul W S Anderson, which uh, I enjoy right. his films right. for being just insane trash. Um, yeah, I'm almost surprised he didn't make this one. Freddy versus Jason. Like I feel like I he, would been, he would have been a guy. You or like, uh, well, then we would get Milo Jovovich playing uh, the lead lead woman instead. Right, right, right. <laughs> Who's also Who's the guy that made um, the director that made Yule Bowl? Uwe Bowl, yeah. Uwe Bowl, yeah. Uwe Bowl. Of the Dead. I could totally see him doing a really terrible Freddy versus Jason movie. Right. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it was. Um, there were other other spin-offs were talked about like they were like you know what about jason versus michael uh you know that could, uh, been, that could be pretty cool maybe i mean like you'd have to you'd have to really scramble i think to make those make that to try to figure out how a way to make that story work but and how to make actually, it different yeah, yeah. and from yeah. Uh, from the word go if, supposedly as soon as they wanted to make Freddy versus jason they talked to wes craven almost right. immediately and he was like i can't make any sense of any of it Right. um so he was like even even he was even looking at the franchises and being like none of this makes sense to me i can't i can't make this work um which is kind of i think is is kind of a shame because i think it would have been interesting to see west craven take a crack at it but yeah. um but he also was never particularly thrilled with any of the french with any of the nightmare franchise um mm-hmm. he ended up liking four well enough mm-hmm. i think but other than that he didn't like any of the others um <clears throat> But yeah, I always liked. Uh, uh, here's a question for you before we start getting out of here. So, like in a big battle royale of all mm-hmm. of the major horror movie bad guys, Michael and Candyman and Pinhead, who wins? Who's the, who's the who's the most powerful of all of them? Who do you think? Who do you think wins? Guys? Oh, I might be Michael Myers. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. I just think like anyone who's like a pure. You're, you mean just like any kind of horror? I mean, of the yeah, modern, any of the big slashers, you know. Freddy, Jason, Michael, Chucky, Pinhead, Candyman. I mean, it's like easy to say, oh, Jason never dies either, but he does seem somewhat weaker than Michael Myers. I don't know. Michael mm-hmm. Myers can just be like 
shot 8 billion times and he's just walking fine. Yeah, right. Um, and it's also just, you know, him being like the embodiment of pure evil, I guess is his power. So, right. um, yeah, I'd go with Michael Myers. Right. What about you, Sam? Um, my old standard an- answer from when, before this film was made, because, you know, kids of the playground always talked about who was right. good for Freddy vs. Jason. Yeah. Is, is always been, it depends on where it happens. Mm. Um, mm. If it's in the dream world, Freddy kicks his ass. If it's in the real world, Jason kicks his ass. Um, as far as any of them overall, um, I'd probably go with Jason because he can take the most damage. Uh, he seems to spend the least amount of time in torpor between getting killed and coming back to life than even Michael Myers, because sometimes he just waits 15 years between yeah. losing and coming back. Um, I, I don't think Candy... I think Candyman will be the first one out. Hmm. Um, he would, he'd be killed almost immediately, I think. Um, he's just got too many limitations. Uh, you know, in was, like 20 years, they're going to put all of these characters... In right, movie, right. And I'll be fucking there for it. I'll be in yeah. my wheelchair. <laughs> I'll be in the front row. Yeah. Um, you know, I think uh, Pinhead has a good shot. He's probably got the biggest power set, but he also has the limitation of if somebody with working hands gets a hold of that box, he goes back to where he came from. Mm. Um, Michael is probably smart enough to figure it out. Freddie's probably smart enough to figure that out. Um, so I think he'd probably go next, and it would just be down to uh, Jason and Freddie again. <laughs> and yeah, Jason would win. Freddie is Freddie is definitely up there. Yeah. Uh, just with what he can do versus everyone else, you know, it's, uh, and we've shown here that he can take a shit ton of damage in the real world before going down too. Yeah. 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 Totally. Um, Nice. Yeah, I just I love Michael Myers. So, so do I. So do I. <laughs> yeah, you guys are. Yeah, you guys are big Michael Myers guys. Yeah, I I mentioned it in our Halloween Six episode, but I wrote a fan script in the in middle school or early high school about oh, wow. Freddy versus or Michael Myers versus Jason, and it was oh, a whole, awesome. it was a whole thing. I couldn't find it. It was not awesome. I did not know how to write well at the time, but it was a cool idea. <laughs> who won that? Yeah, who won that script? Tommy Jarvis and my and Tommy Doyle. But as far as the between the two, I think Jason came out just uh, slightly ahead. Mm. Who won in this one, guys? Who everybody mm. seems to have a different opinion of who won in this this movie? Oh, it's Freddy. Come on, he winks at the end. Of course, it's him. He, he ain't got no. He ain't got nobody. I'm going Jason. I'm team Jason. I think the kids win. Yeah, so that was always my that was yeah. always top out when people top yeah out, give well, a real answer yeah but no but the real an- but that's this is a real answer like that oh all those years. oh you mean the kids in the universe win yeah okay uh, in, in the universe you know that the idea is that you know when they were like I thought you meant us as the the audience we won <laughs> no no as I mean in in literally like that's I was when people always said like who wins the fight between Freddy versus Jason I was like the kids are trying to kill because right. the kids always win. Yeah. You know, ultimately, Freddie and Jason are both going to be vanquished. Um, it's just going to be, you know, how? You know, right. we watch a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. We know Freddie is not going to make it out at the end of the movie. He's dead, going to die. He'll just come back. But, uh, but that was always my answer was the kids. And now, technically, if, if they're taken out of, mm-hmm. out of that contention, if you have to pick one or the other, I go with Freddie as well because Freddie's still mm-hmm. kicking. And if Freddie's still kicking, he can come back. Right. And so but Jason's still kicking too. He's carrying him out yeah. of the water. Yeah, and I think that if you wanted to make Freddy versus Jason two, you you know right. they, it would just go start all over again. Neither guy is ever right. going to go down permanently. Right, right. This was the last time Robert Englund played him, right? 
this yeah, is the like last, the last and, and the last time we're ever likely to see because he's you know retired from the role he's too old to play it at this yeah. point yeah no? yeah yeah i've always felt like there's still one more i feel like there's still if they capitalize on it soon there's a way that you want one more with him but i don't i i don't know if he would ever do it because uh, it, he's like he's probably he, past it he's yeah. even retired from playing it at conventions you know they had this thing yeah. for a few years where people would show up to conventions like kate hotter and Fred, uh robert england dressed as freddie and jason to get you you know photo ops yeah. and stuff mm-hmm. and he doesn't yeah. even do that anymore yeah the last time he yeah. technically played the role he did uh there was some tv show Mm-hmm. Uh, the Goldbergs, Goldbergs, where he played. He put oh, that's the, right. So that oh, wasn't right. the last time. Yeah, he played. Yeah. He played it one more time. He put on the thing for a uh, gag for that episode. Yeah. yeah. Um. But um, and I think only partial some of the makeup. I don't think it was a full job. Um, right. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah. At this point, I mean, I don't blame him. Um, yeah. for not wanting to kind of go back to it. I think that as much as I. Because I mean, I actually, I mean, again, I'm I, I'm one of the, the few people that more or less doesn't hate the reboot of Nightmare mm-hmm. on Elm Street. I actually think it has its moments, um, and I like. Uh, no, I hate I hated Freddy's Dead. I didn't hate the reboot. <laughs> yeah, right. Freddy's Dead's my least favorite too. Right. Um, but yeah, the the uh, I liked. Um, uh, what's his name? Help me out, Sam. Jackie Earl Haley. Jackie Earl Haley. Thank you. Oh yeah, I like Jackie. He's Earl a good choice. Yeah. yeah, I think he did a good job. Um, and I've always been a fan of, I've always been really uh, pro remake and pro reboot anyway, right. in general. Um, that I feel like it, it, that the, that the story has ability to move on, but I would, I do feel like part of the reason why, and I've said this before as well, and I'll probably say it again. It's part of the reason why the reboot of Nightmare on Elm Street didn't quite work is because we haven't had a proper goodbye to Robert Englund as Freddie. That Freddy versus Jason, as Sam said last night, I was hoping I was hoping he would say it again. Which I was going to plug it at the end, dude. Yeah. Yeah. but um, that this is sort of the send off for these two characters in, in how as we know them, and yeah. it doesn't quite feel right to me um, as the the ending of the franchises. I want I right. wanted a final, and not Freddy's dead final. I mean, like an actual like Freddy is gone. He's done. Right, mm-hmm. and then you can reboot it all you'd like because mm-hmm. everybody's had a chance to say goodbye to the character as they know him um mm-hmm. which is a really weird concept but i think it fits where i think we are we have a connection to this character as awful as that character is right we we feel something for him he's an icon he's he's part of us and so uh you know and same thing with jason i think that we for whatever reason and i can't think of a character that deserves it less than jason for <laughs> There's nothing to this guy, but for whatever reason, we absolutely love him. Right. And so, I mean, I mean, I don't know if we have, if, if this works as the last word on those characters, as we know them, but. I think uh, so, because I think both of them already, well, I should say more Freddy than Jason, because I mean, they were kept doing, you know, filler episodes of, of the Friday 13th that to keep the series alive so they yeah. can get Freddy versus Jason. But I mean, with, you know, with, with the Freddy series, you got Freddy's dead. Um, you've got, you know, new nightmare, which wasn't really well received at the time, but I think it's actually pretty brilliant. Yeah. It's um, very popular. Now. Yeah. Yeah. I love um, nightmare, yeah. And, you know, so you had two chances to say goodbye to Freddy. Like, I feel like this is just like a bonus mm-hmm. episode. And yeah, totally. It's just, it's just great yeah. to see them, you know, just go full out Royal rumble, yeah you new know, nightmare did kind of feel like west craven send off to right. uh to freddy so yeah this is kind of just like the 
all right, now we're just going to like go all out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I know, and I know Nathaniel wants me to say it. So um, I, I I'd read last night uh, while I was watching it, Freddy versus Jason is a good finale to both series. Like Jacques said on the Simpsons <clears throat> about brunch it's not quite breakfast. It's not quite lunch, but it comes with a slice of cantaloupe at the end. You don't get completely what you want, but you get a good meal. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's very apt. I think that it yeah. is in many ways. That's what Freddy versus Jason is. It's, it's not, it's not filling. Right. It's not a real meal. Right. But it's like when you opened all your presents at Christmas and like then your parents realized that they left another present in the other room. Mm-hmm. And it's a great pre- it's like a Nintendo 64. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Holy yeah, yeah, crap. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, I know so- I I know I felt like this was never gonna happen until I saw it. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I was really I was in college when this came out. We were my friends and I, we were just like so excited. Right. I think I'd only seen um I'm pretty sure I saw a new nightmare in the theater. I was like 11 years old. Like I never saw any Freddy or Jason movies in the theater up until I had seen Jason. Jason. I had seen new nightmare in the theater. I had seen um, Jason goes to hell in there. And if we're going back to Halloween, I've seen, I saw six in the theater. I saw six. I saw Halloween six in the theater. Yeah. And I think it was bloodlines for Hellraiser was the first one I saw in the theater. Uh, Yeah. I had seen Jason goes to hell and Jason X. Right. For, uh, in the theaters before this movie and then uh, saw this movie but this was the first time i think i saw freddie in the big screen yeah. um but yeah the same thing i mean it was but yeah same sentiment that uh you know the idea that you know this was up there with like you know seeing the avengers with me for me that it was right. like, you know, like this totally. movie yeah was supposed to happen yeah. you know when you were in study hall in high school you would talk about it you were never going to see it mm-hmm. and yeah. uh but and then there it was and you could yeah. be, you could, you could be dis- you could choose to be disappointed with it and be right. like, well, maybe this doesn't work. Or you could just be like, this is better than we probably had any right to have. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, my wife enjoys Freddy versus Jason. And it's, Same. I, I have to kind of, <laughs> I dragged my wife to see movies, it in the theater. But... And, you know, she, she was like, you know, oh, I can't believe you're making me do this. Cause I get a couple yeah. passes a year where I get to drag her to something that I know she doesn't like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same. Uh, but yeah. she, she enjoyed it. She liked it. Uh, you know, I've never felt any regrets with this film. I never felt anything but thrilled by this, this film. And isn't uh-huh. that what you want yeah. from these movies? I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just entertaining. It's fun. No, Sam, you, uh, you hate the soundtrack though. I don't oh, hate the soundtrack. I, I had that on my, I had unfortunate new metal in my. Yeah. <laughs> It's, first of all, they got Graham Ravel to do the do the score, and I think he's amazing. And they mm. buried it under like just. I know Dokken is dated, but for some reason, new metal sounds way more dated to me than like you know. Oh, totally. Hair metal. Doc. Yeah. Um, and literally, yeah. I was watching watching the movie, and there were three songs in the end credits alone, and I did not realize that until it got to the part where it showed the songs because I thought it was one really long song. It was actually three different artists playing three different songs. One of my favorite oh, songs I didn't know that. exactly the same. One yeah. of my favorite songs is in the end credits. I love Kill Switch Engage. I, I, yeah, I got into it a little bit with the, one of my friends who said, you know, new metal is good. And I'm like, yeah, there were good new metal bands. Um, Kill Switch Engage was good. Yeah. There's even about this thing because they got Il Nidia, which is pretty good. And they got Chimera, yeah. uh, which is good. And also uh, uh, Cleveland founded them, yeah. which is cool. Yeah, I always like also I. Yeah, like you can't really fault <clears throat> movies for having that because, like, even like uh, I was at my brother's the other day and he had the Avengers on for his kids, and it was like the mm-hmm. old, the closing credits were playing, and that ha- that movie has like a new metal song, yeah, <laughs> right. the closing credits, and it's just and uh, they it was just really... like what they did at the end of those yeah. like the uh, Spider Man movies all had like Nickelback right. 
Oh God. Yeah. That uh, was, yeah. You know, if it's like, right. you know, it's a reflection of the times, like most eighties movies in the soundtrack, they had, you know, shit. But it felt like, it end. felt like more, um, more in place in the old Freddy movies where like, you know, they had the dockets, totally. they had, you know, the, like this has got to be music that the kids would have actually in the movie looking for yeah listening yeah, to yeah, yeah. and in this i don't really feel that with these yeah. characters i feel like you know they're probably listening um, to Des- destiny's child yeah. uh, most of them yeah <laughs> definitely yeah this this group is you know uh this this group of characters is definitely listening to uh uh, uh to more of like top 100 right I, I did yeah. notice when i was watching it earlier today that um the opening credits the the flash background when they're slashing on is is where all the credits come slashed from um is freddy and the end credits where lobos looks like marvel is jason because he's like a bog bubby in this mm. like i never noticed that that the end because i always thought it was like just like why are they showing concrete from the end credits i'm like wait that's jason's skit yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of cool actually so so we're yeah. way up on time any yep. any last thoughts before we uh wrap up <clears throat> um no, I mean, I, I I had like all my notes, but I think we got to everything that I wanted to talk about. I mean, I did, I had one note here. It says, once Freddie and Jason first go to ballot, battle, it's epic as fuck. And it's like everything you could have hoped for from a Freddie versus Jason movie. Like it's so cathartic like, yeah. when they finally, yeah, uh, when they finally go there. Um, it's great. They have like the big barroom brawl in, inside the cabin where it starts and like it just turns yeah. into like just, just more ridiculous just tossing jason around and that was so much fun my my number one top laugh is freddie's pulled out of the dream Mm -hmm. and jason jason throws the table and freddie looks over his shoulder and has this absolute (laughs) oh uh it just every single time robert england is so good at hamming that up that uh you know the the muttly i'm now terrified right um i love it it uh, it makes me laugh every time and again it's also like this from the character it probably you know is a serious character but you know they did a they did a good job making like they lit him well like in those scenes where it's like he's just like they made him look like the freddy that like you really like know and love like just like him there's like just one shot in particular where it's like just you just basically see a silhouette and he like pulls his gloves up and it's just right. so like satisfying <laughs> to see yeah and it's, i think uh, it had been about nine yeah. years since we saw freddie last so i yeah. mean it's it yeah. was nice to see him back yeah. again and mm-hmm. my favorite cool. part of that fight is is at the beginning when jason like pushes him through the window and then just pushes him through the entire wall all the way down the yeah. side of the cabin yeah yeah that's just yeah. so much fun. And then uh, Robert Englund just becomes Jerry Lewis. For, right. Uh, you know, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. But even even the even the fight is well balanced because there, there's beats in it where, you know, Freddy's coming out ahead. There's beats on where Jason's coming out ahead. Like, I don't oh, know right. how this movie ended up so good. Hmm. I yeah. really don't. Uh, it is a miracle. Truly. Yeah. 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 Well, our right. stars. <laughs> Fuck stars. Yeah. I mean, as far as one of these kind of movies go, I'd, I'd give it probably four and a half or five. I mean, totally. In, yeah. You know, put yeah. it up there. Uh, it's always it's always on the lower it's always on the lower end of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise for because I'm a huge Nightmare on Elm Street right. fan. But for Friday the Thirteenth, it's actually towards the top. I actually, right. yeah, uh, I prefer it to a lot of the Jason sequels. But, um, but yeah, okay, Chris, where do where do people find you? Uh, uh, what's what's coming up? Um, um at CS Gersbeck 
that's uh, on all social media. Um, Mary Jo Peel show is August 24th. Oh, and then the Mads, we're going to start uh, for anyone that missed the live streams that we do in the past year. We're oh, going right. to start um, in order going back and, and rebroadcasting all of them. Uh, that starts August 21st with uh, Glenn and Glenda. And if you got a ticket last year, then you automatically get access to the the rebroadcast watch party. And for new people, you can just download the show right away and then come back and we'll all watch it together. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. You guys got a new show coming up too, don't you? For the mats? Yeah, we're doing uh, The Brain Eaters in uh, September 14th, um, which it's one of those movies that are like the poster looks so promising and great and the movie's just absolutely awful <laughs> it's got a really cool looking poster i'm not gonna lie and say that wasn't one of the decisions uh one of the reasons why we decided to, to do it but uh I mean, it's also it just worse, kind of like was it worse than the what was that one like the uh, walking down the street at night or something what the hell was oh, the walk the dog Walk, walk the dark street with dark street. yeah it was like almost unwatchable like yeah. that one is that is probably like the cheapest one we've right. done this is like the perfect uh the brain eater is like 1958 sci-fi yeah. horror and it's like it's just perfect for the mads it's like 62 minutes long nice. um it's very just there's like a you know that typical sci-fi narration uh that right. takes up most of the dialogue in the movie and yeah. um and yeah it's, uh it's, it's gonna be a fun one for sure. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah, that's great. Uh, so if you guys, uh, if you are out there listening to this podcast and you like movie riffing, which I would hope you kind of do, cause that's sort of uh, one of our main influences, but right. um, check those out. Uh, the Mads are great. I, I, I always enjoy the shows when I get to get to catch them. So, um, but yeah. And the Mary Jo Peel show coming up too. check that out. Yeah. That's going to be, that's going to be um, yeah, totally different, but, you know, Mary Jo's got such a great comedic sensibility and it just, uh, yeah, it's going to be really fun. And she, you know, the first episode, it's going to be a lot of, um, it's going to be kind of like a retrospective of her career and like the things that never made it. So it's going to be like short films that she's made that like no one's ever seen before, but then also there's like a couple pilots for shows that she worked on and, um, and with like a lot of people that like you would all recognize, like Kevin Murphy yeah, right. and mm-hmm. Dave Gubral and Trace Beaulieu. Um, so it's like yeah, because really, there was like a, a stretch of almost ten. I don't know if it's ten years, but there's a long stretch where like they kept trying to get something else off the ground after Mystery Science Theater, and they made a lot of stuff that yeah. fans hadn't gotten to see. So it's yeah, yeah. So I think some of this stuff has been seen before, but probably not you know this accessible. So um, awesome. So yeah there are people who are dying to see, you know, just mystery science theater people and unaired pilots and stuff. It's, uh, it's the right time to tune in. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Chris, for coming by. uh, Thank you you for having me. Yeah. It's always a blast. Yeah. We always love having you and um, you're always welcome anytime. Thanks. Yeah. Any, anytime. And you don't even have to talk talk about a Jason movie if you don't want to. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I love Jason. No, right. so do just I. keep doing Jason. Right. Um, no, but yeah, that this is super fun, and I'm always uh, always down to talk Freddie, Jason, Michael. I don't know Pinhead as much as yeah. you guys. It sounds like you guys right. do, but uh, you know, totally any of the other ones. Right. Yeah. Right on. Well, uh, thank you very much at home for for listening. Um, and uh, we'd like to remind you to keep it positive, keep it constructive, love yourself, love your fellow horror fans. Uh, stay safe out there. Vaccinate. 
Vaccinated and mask, yes. please. Um, please. We we don't we don't want another shutdown. Even though I would love to make unemployment again, um, <laughs> I, uh, I I we people are actually suffering out there. So yes. that's that's our yeah. one little um, it's my one little uh, political statement here that uh, that if you're not vaccinated, please do so um, mm-hmm. if you can, um, and just do your best to try to help out your civilization. Um, it's not much to ask for, I don't think. Um, yeah. Sorry, little, uh, little, little heavy-handed on that, but I. Uh, but, I don't need to be at this yeah. point, apparently, because we're not learning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's a frustrating. It's been. It's definitely a frustrating time. And uh, but yeah, remember to to keep it positive and keep it constructive. And uh, and uh, horror can be a wonderful escape. Um, and uh, and that's you know why we keep doing this. So um, so thank you very much for listening. Uh, so thank you. Uh, good night and namaste. Oh,